0: Year, this whole year, we're going to be talking about being carriers of the heart or carry the heart. So in an individual sense, it's carry the heart. And together, of course, it's that we are carriers of the heart, not only the heart of Life Center, including that, but ultimately the heart of Jesus. We want to be carriers of the heart. And so here's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 24, during his Sermon on the Mount. He said, do not, do not, Lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, he's not only talking about money here, okay? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So those two things are inseparable, Jesus said. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body, body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And then he said, no one, no one in all of our locations, that's none of us. There's not a human one. We can't serve two masters. We all have one. Either you will hate the one and you will love the other or you'll be devoted to the one and you'll despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Better translated, you can't serve God, which is this kingdom where he is the king, and there's a whole way in rules and regulations and principles and powers and everything in this kingdom, or mammon, which is a whole different kingdom, a whole different rule, a whole different way in which we live. So he's not just talking about the money in your pocket, he's talking about everything that orients our lives, okay? So another word for treasure is value. It's a word, it's a a synonym that goes right with it that what we value or what we treasure, we also value. It's important for us to understand that. And did you notice in the text that we just read that what it's actually driving at is or are our behaviors. It's driving at those things because there were so many pulls. And it's what it feels like living in the world in which you and I live every single day. There's earth and there's heaven. There was light and there was dark. There was hate and there was love. There was devoted and there was despised and there was God and there was money or men. and there were these systems. And all of those things wage war on the inside of us. All of those things pull on our hearts Every single one of them, they do. And so our values are consistently being tested. Not necessarily always our beliefs, though they are tested as well, but our values are being tested. And when our values are cohesive, in other words, when we're in unity one with another, whether it's a family, a couple, whether it happens to be a small group, whether it's a church, For us at Life Center and our locations, when those things are cohesive, we move together. But it doesn't mean that as we move together, there aren't these various things that are pulling us all the time on our hearts. And Life Center, again, this year, we are going to take September and October, November, December is Christmas, and then each of the months outside of Easter, and we're going to do one value. We're going to drill in in it in a month, and we're gonna talk about it in four different perspectives in a given month, and that's what we're gonna call carry the heart, or together, we are carriers of the heart. Now, when it comes to values, there are two types of values in the world. There are authentic values, and an authentic value is when someone says, hey, this is what I value, or you go to a church, and you see this is what they value. You go to a store, and they say, hey, these are our values, or a company, these are our values. Where the behavior is congruent with the value, you and I say, well, yeah, that's authentic. If somebody says, you know, hey, this is what I really value, and you see all the behavior in their life lines up to that, then you can just say, yep, that's, that's who you are. I, I see that. It's very evident in your life, so there's authentic values when you see it you know it's true but there's also aspirational values there are values again that when you hear it or when you see it you know that you've got some room to grow you know that it's going to take change everybody say change that it's gonna take change, it's gonna take some surrendering to the Holy Spirit in order for you and I to grow so the value doesn't necessarily fit right now. It's a couple sizes too big, and we have to grow into it. It's really important for every single one of us, whether they're authentic values or aspirational values, there's one quality, though, that every value needs, and it's honesty. It's honesty. That you and I have to be honest, we as a church have to be honest, When we talk about a value that we have to grow into, we have to be honest with, we may not be there today, but we need to grow into it. So two types of values, but both require honesty. And so why is cohesion around values so important? Well, this is why. Whether it's your individual life or us as a church, this is what is true of all of us. Your values transport your beliefs to your behaviors. Your values, they are what transports your beliefs to your behaviors. Now I have this amazing tree here, this this Nishiki willow. I read the tag, I'm not really an expert on trees. <laughs> and it's not a fake tree. It's a real tree. And it's 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 covered up pretty, but if I was to remove all the packaging off it, you would see dirt and roots. Now, how many of you know that when, you and when this gets planted outside, which it's going to get planted outside, and when it gets planted, those roots go down deep. And that's the belief system of our heart and the belief system of our lives. It's, it's akin to the roots that we root down deep in our hearts and we deepen our lives. And whether it's in a local church, you put your roots down or whether it's in whatever it is that you believe, you put those roots down. It's why today when beliefs are shifting so quickly, many people feel uprooted. It's this thing that you and I feel. So the understanding is that there's these beliefs that are down here. Those are the, the root system. But then there's the leaves up here and that's what everybody normally can see and pays attention to This is the behavior. This is the stuff that we can see. Jesus said, you know, he doesn't hack away at the branches. He goes right at the root. But this is just, again, what is evident to other people. It's what they can see. But sometimes you and I can have right beliefs... But we don't look right in our behaviors or our behaviors don't match our beliefs because in the testing of our values, we find that you and I value different things. For example, you may be here and you're in high school and you, val- you believe with all of your heart that if you study and do your homework and pay attention and take notes and stay on class, you believe with all of your heart that if you do those things, you're going to get a good grade. But you just value Snapchat more than you do study. The problem isn't in the area of your beliefs. You believe all those things. You just value something different. And it shows up where you think, man, I want to get, it's fallen here as well. But you think, man, I want to get A's this year. or I want to get B's or whatever, you know, whatever goal you set, you know, for me, C minus, and I was thrilled. But you, you set it up there, and then you get a D on a test, and you're like, well, not, not bad. At least I passed. Right. You can believe in, in, a, in a relationship. You can believe that romance is important. To the no person beside you and say, watch it now. <laughs> you can believe it's important. And you, so you have no problem with your belief. But then work gets in the way and our expectations get in the way or how we feel about one another gets in the way. So, and then it shows up that we never have date nights or we never do any of those things. So in our behavior... So it's not sometimes fixing, the, the behavior may not be the issue and the, the beliefs may not be the issue, but we may have to allow God to change our, our values. We can, we can believe that saving some money is a good thing. But the average Canadian, of which I know there are none here or any of our locations, but the average Canadian in 2019 spent $1.79 for every $1 they make. Now I'm not good at math, I just know that is a problem. So if I asked every single Canadian what they believe, it'd be very clear. But what we value is the new phone. What we value is the car. What we value is the bigger. And I say none of these things to shame. So they show up in our behaviors. So we as a church are the same thing. That sometimes God doesn't begin to hit us at the root system. Sometimes he does. But oftentimes he begins to course correct our values. What we are treasuring. What did Jesus say? Because what you treasure, that's where your heart really is. Not what you say at the bottom, and not sometimes what we see at the top, but that's what we value. So our values, they are the things that transport our beliefs to our behaviors. So we as Life Center want to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us as a church in 2019 about our values. And so our September value that we're starting today is expectant or expectancy. What to expect when you're expecting, right? It's expectant. And here's what I mean by expectation. We trust at Life Center that the Holy Spirit is moving. Not only will he move, but he is moving now. We trust that the Holy Spirit is moving, therefore the posture of our hearts is worship. Whether that be with song or serving one another, whether it be with taking a step, we believe that we engage this with hungry and humble and holy, set-apart hearts, because we expect that the Holy Spirit is moving. How life-centered, when we come to the house on Sunday together, It's not just your attendance that is required. It is your expectation that is desired. And not your expectation necessarily of us or us of you or expectation of one another. Those are all important things. But it is our expectation that Holy Spirit, you are moving, that you want to move and that you want to heal, that you want to do what only you can do. Did you know that there is a gift that you bring every single week to church and you alone can offer this gift and that gift is your expectation. You can come to church at any of our locations and you can simply attend and you can walk in, sit and walk out and leave unchanged or you can engage with an expectant heart and you can see God do incredible things in and through your life. I think one of the questions that you and I have to ask is, okay, well, if we're going to talk about expectation, is it healthy even to talk about expectations? Is it healthy even to say that we come to the house of the Lord, that we come to church, that we come to Life Center? Is it, is it healthy even to say that we come with expectation? Well, together let's look at Jesus and ask the question, did Jesus go to the house with expectation? Because as followers of Jesus, you and I want to become more like Jesus. And so if it's not something that Jesus did, I don't care how poetic or powerful the sermon is. If it's not what he did, we don't do it. But if it is something that he did, then it is worthy of our full consideration and attention. As a boy, when Jesus showed up to his father's house, not only was prophecy fulfilled, but you actually see promises, lifelong promises fulfilled to others like Simeon and Anna. At the age of 12. So for us, we would go, What a young, young, young man. But in Jewish culture and custom of the time, he was actually becoming a man. The scripture says that he grew in wisdom and stature. And it's an amazing thing. But there's this moment where he said, At the age of 12, Jesus goes missing from his parents for three days. Turn to the person beside you and say, And that's not sin? No. But Jesus went missing from his parents for three days. And they're looking everywhere for him. Except the one place that they should have looked for him. Now I say that because I know the end of the story. How many of you know that if someone's ever lost, the person who's frantically looking is looking everywhere, but the person who's lost knows exactly where they are. So Jesus knew where he was, and in three days, three days. His mother and, and stepfather are looking for him everywhere. Three days. Three days. And when they find him, he is sitting, he's in the synagogue, he's in the house, he's with the teachers, he's asking them questions, he's listening, he's teaching, he's providing answers, and they are just astonished. They are absolutely astonished at Jesus. You know, when you and I were growing up, pardon me, when some of us were growing up, you would go out and you would say to your Parents, parent, uh, I'm gonna go out, and you know I'll be I'll be back at lunch, and then you'd be come back by supper, and if you were late. Sometimes your parent would go to the door and they would call you by your first name. So for Nord Hamley, it was like Jason or Kim. And and if you could hear it, but it was only your first name, you'd be like, nah, I'm good. And you'd keep playing and doing whatever it is that you're doing. You'd hear your name called again. You'd know like, well, I'm on the clock, but it's not like, you know. But then you would hear your middle name and your last slang and your first name, and you'd go, I'm out, I gotta go, I gotta go right now, right now, right now. Right? Jason Barry Boucher. Sorry boys, I gotta go, I gotta go, I don't care, I gotta go, I don't care. If that's a Gretzky rookie card you wanna show me. I don't care because I value my behind more than the card. That's the part that some of you don't understand. And you're worse for it. I kid, I kid, I kid. No, as parents now, we, 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 don't, we don't stand out and like shout your name. We, we just text you on the phones we pay for that you don't respond. But that's another, that's, that's okay, that's okay. It's, I want to let you know if you, if you have a cell phone from your parents that they've purchased for you and they're paying the monthly plan and you've blocked them, rude. Don't bite the hand that feeds you. And if you're a teenager here and you're going, yeah, but as parents, there's got to be a quote on how many times you can text me in a day. Forget it. So three days, they're looking for Jesus. Luke chapter 2, verse 49. Here's what Jesus says to them. Why were you looking for me? Let's see, let's see, let's see. And here's what he said. Do you not know that I must be? Everyone say must be. Do you know that I, no, I must be in my father's house? Sorry, I sorry, I had a hockey game. Do you know that I must be in my father's house? Whose house? His Father's house. Now, I'm, here, I'm not here to lay guilt and shame, but what I am talking about is you may have a belief in church, but what does it look like up here? But you may value other things, and the Holy Spirit wants to speak to those things. Okay? Not from a place of shame or guilt, but from a genuine place of conviction around what do we value. All through the Scriptures, you see Jesus in the synagogue. The Scripture says, dot, 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 as was his custom. In other words, he valued the house and he was in the house. He developed it as it's a thing for his heart, a thing for his life, a value for his life, I should say more appropriately. He isn't merely present, but he has passion for the house. Jesus has an expectation, and he came to the Father's house, his Father's house, with expectation that his Father was going to move in his house. Because all through the Gospels, you see that he proclaims life, in his father's house. He fulfills prophecy in his father's house. He heals the sick in his father's house. He speaks truth in his father's house. He corrects error in his father's house. He reaches out to others in his father's house. Even in the final week of his life, it says that he had zeal for the house of the Lord. And he says this to Peter in Matthew 16, verse 18. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on the rock of the revelation that I am the Christ, the son of the living, God on this rock, I will build my church, not your church." I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You get all the way to the book of Revelations and there's seven churches there and you see him speaking directly, lovingly, tenderly, but calling those churches higher, speaking to the things that they value, the things that they treasure, where their hearts once were, but they had lost their original heart and he is speaking to each church differently with where that church is at with equal love and tenderness, but also clarity and conviction. You see it in Revelation. In Acts you see that the church is no longer only Jewish, but now it's Jewish and Gentile. It is male and it is female. It is mature and it is young. It is all this this colliding of all these different cultures into this beautiful place called his church. In Ephesians, we see Paul urging the church, and here's what he says. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, literal, not metaphoric, urge you. He's urging the church, and I want you to note here, he's talking to the whole church, in Ephesus, not only the leaders of the church, he's talking to the He's talking to the whole church. I urge you, I urge you, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another. Turn to the person beside you and say I'm going to bear with you this year." I I bear you, you know, don't you? Bearing with one another in love, eager, everyone say eager, eager Eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. And then he goes on to say this. He just levels it out. Because how many of you know sometimes there can be competition between churches? He goes, no, 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 no. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all, dot, 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 knock it off. That's me paraphrasing there. So Jesus loves and he builds and he corrects and he uses his church, even in 2019, to make a difference in the cities in which we find ourselves, whether it is in Canada or Cornwall. Or Orleans, or online, or God, Lord willing, downtown. And here's what I want you to know His church, the church of Jesus, His church, not our church, His church is not defined alone by this house. His church is not defined alone by this house. If you drive through the city today, here's what I am celebrating. Here's what we celebrate at Life Center. We celebrate, if you're in the, in the East End, we celebrate that the Lord today is moving at Redeemer Alliance as much as he's moving here. We celebrate with our whole heart that he is moving in Liberty City this afternoon. He's moving in my church. He's moving in Woodvale. He's moving in Bethel. He's moving in, in, in Proximity Church. He is moving all across our city that the invisible church, that we are scattered as salt and light throughout the week, But the invisible church all of a sudden becomes visible on a Sunday. Aren't you glad that there are churches that Jesus is showing up at, that the Holy Spirit is ministering at today, that may not be your cup of tea, but he's ministering. We are praying that Jesus would move in every Anglican church, every United church, every Pentecostal church, every Baptist church, every single church where Jesus is Lord, that he would move. And so Life Center, I want you to know we are not, we don't, we don't believe for one minute that Life Center is the savior of the city. No, the city needs one savior and his name is Jesus. But this is his church, not the church. We are a lot bigger than what we see even in our locations. And we know that. So we are humble about that. But we also know, we also know. That God wants to use us to make a difference. That we have a part to play. That we're not the whole puzzle, but we are a piece. And the piece that we are, we want to play well. We don't believe for a moment. We have it all together. We don't believe for a moment. You, you're be sitting there saying, yeah, you, you don't need to tell us that. We know that. I know. We, we have lots of room to grow, and we get that. But here's who we are as a church We believe that Jesus loves you just the way you are, whether this is your first Sunday or you're here every week. We believe that Jesus loves you just the way you are, but and yet coordinated together he loves you so much that he's not going to leave you the way you are and so life center unapologetically we are a church for hungry and humble and set apart people who want to grow and look more like Jesus if you want to stay the same 25 years from now this may not be the best church but if you want to grow if you want to surrender to the holy spirit and take another step that's what we're all about growing together with Jesus to to make a difference in this city. So we expect, everybody say expect. We expect Jesus to love. We expect us him to build. We expect him to correct us. We expect him to use Life Center to make a difference again in our city. So we know and we value that he is moving all through the city this week. We know these things. And so we know that Life Center is not his house, meaning it sums everything up. But we know also that this house is only defined by being his church. In the city, you can go past them. You don't, you don't think it's possible for a church to lose their way, lose their values? Young men's Christian assembly used to be a place where people were being discipled. Now it's the YMCA and it's just a gym. Harvard was a school started to train ministers. And I'm not saying it's bad, it's a theological th- part of it, and that's great, But there's beliefs, there's values, and then there's our behaviors. This house is defined by being his church. Take away all the stuff, but you can't silence worship. You can take away all the toys, but we're not going to dilute the truth. Our cornerstone, you need to hear me clearly. Our cornerstone at Life Center isn't culture, tradition, or trying to be cool. No, our cornerstone is Jesus. And Jesus cherishes his church. Using the metaphor of a marriage, Paul says, Husband, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water and with the word, so that he might present the church to him in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. He's just using an analogy so we can understand what Jesus feels for his church. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and treasures or cherishes it just as Christ does the church because we are members of his body. Because we have lots of spots and wrinkles, we expect the Holy Spirit to be ironing them out in our hearts and lives. We expect him to be doing this because there is sickness amongst us. We expect the healing of Jesus, the healing power of Jesus to be present. You know, one thing I've done is I've gone through all the scriptures and If you're like me and you've experienced deep disappointment when praying for healing or discouragement, you have experienced those things. One thing that challenges and convicts me is nowhere in the scriptures did Jesus say to stop praying for it. So sometimes you feel like you're on just shaky or hard ground, but it's not a conjuring up. It's a trusting in that my roots go down deep and I trust that you are healer whether I see it or not. I'm not living in delusion, but I'm not going to define God based on my circumstance. I'm going to allow the character of God to transform my character not the other way around. I don't want to end up creating a God of my own understanding because that God is mute and blind and deaf, and it's as useless as a stone-carved idol. I don't know about you. I want the living, one, true God to show up and do what only He can do. And so it's not about bringing God down to my level. It's about growing me up, God, to see you for who you really are. one of the things that we're doing this year look at we value creativity we value the arts we value using spoken word we value creative moments that we can put in and we're still going to do that but we do feel a shift from the holy spirit we're going to use those where appropriate but we do also feel a shift from the holy spirit and it is to create space just to create space for him to touch and do what only he can do. And so in other locations, they're self-identified, wherever you happen to be. But here in Orleans, to my left, your right, you can see a little sign over there. And this whole ministry here, what I want you to know is that any time we are singing at all, whether it's beginning of the service or at the end of the service, we'll have normal ministry as we do. But any time that we are singing, if you're sick in your physical body, if you're believing God for him to do something in a relationship, whatever happens to you, but it's particularly the area of healing you can just make your way over the corner and it's not deep personal ministry but people are going to anoint you with oil and just pray the prayer of faith asking God to do what only he can do we want to be a church that's like that pers- persistent widow that just says I'm not going to let you go I'm not going to let you go I'm not going to let you go not trying to force him to show who he is but trusting that your character is who you said you are and Lord we're asking you to do it because there are lost or people who don't know Jesus amongst us, we expect the miracle of salvation to be evident. I want you to know that in the last number of weeks, we've seen 21 people surrender and give their lives to Jesus for the very first time. And we are absolutely thrilled for every one of those lives. Because there are strongholds, whether they be individual or generational within a family, we expect Jesus to break every chain. We don't just sing a song, break every chain. We expect the actually freeing work of Jesus to be evident in our midst. Because it's not our church, it's his church. And the ministry of Jesus should be manifest in our midst. Because there are generations present, we expect Jesus to move differently among us. And that's okay. Now, we know that Jesus doesn't only move on Sundays. We get that. We're not that foolish. As I said a few moments ago, but Sunday is special. In a Jewish culture, it wasn't Sunday. It was Saturday. It was the synagogue. For us, it's Sunday as followers of Christ grafted in, not replacing, grafted in. But we also know that Sunday, again, as I said, the invisible church all of a sudden becomes visible. There is no poorer testimony to the world in which we live than an empty church that becomes a condo. There's something powerful about you and I being present in the house every single week, valuing the assembling of ourselves together. It's not only what God does in our midst. Do you know how many people who have given their lives to Jesus who say, for years I drove by one of your locations and I always wondered, why are there always cars in the parking lot? The Holy Spirit uses the testimony of the gathering of saints as a witness to the world around us. And so you say, well, what does it matter if I sleep in? Don't you ever degrade yourself that way or diminish your life. You matter. You showing up, you matter. And you engaging with your whole heart makes a difference.